Well, what's going on, Liberty 412 family? This is M.A. Dozier, and we are back again in week five of Breaking Down 1 Timothy 412, and uh, we are in love. Now, this is a two-part series. Last week, we talked about love, and we talked about the types of love um, and who we are supposed to love uh, as Christians, and we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to love our neighbors. We're supposed to love um, our, our enemies. And uh, first, first and foremost, we're supposed to love God. And so we broke that down and we talked about phileo love, which is, in a, is a warm, affectionate love. But then we talked about agape love, which is the love of God and how we as Christians are supposed to express that agape love into the world. But uh, there was just too much to cover. And, and this is really important this week and as we dive into love, because we're going to be talking about the love of God. And you know, all the time we say that God loves us and God is love, but do we fully comprehend the depths of his love? When we say that, do we fully comprehend what it means that he loved us? Um, you know, in our culture today, we use love flippantly. Um, we just like last week, we talked about how people say they love tacos, but they also say they love God. And you know, those aren't the two same types of love. So we have to have clarity. And the truth of the matter is, is we in human form in our sinful form cannot love to the full extent that God does. And so sometimes that gives us a skewed view of God's love because we think, oh, well, we love God and this is as much love as we can give. So that's how God loves. But today we're going to dive into the depths of his love and what it truly means when it says that he loves us. So to truly understand God's love, we must grasp how far his love had to go to rescue us from our sin. So here's the first question I have for us. And parents, here's a question that you can dive in with your students uh, and ask this question and begin to wrestle with it. But it is this, what is God's expectation for us? What is his standard of living for us? Like what does God require from us? So. In many years of doing ministry, um, I've asked this question on multiple different occasions. And the general response I get from everybody is, well, God, you know, he, didn't, he knows we can't be perfect, so he wants us to do the best we can. He wants us to love on people. He wants us to represent him. Um, but, you know, it's just we, we try and live our life the best we can. Uh, and that is a very good humanistic answer. But the truth of the matter is, and what scripture says, is found in Matthew 5:48 of God's expectation and his standard for us and this is actually red letter verse which means Jesus spoke these words it's not one of the apostles it's not the disciples these words this command came directly from the mouth of Jesus and it is found in Matthew 5:48 and he says this you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect see God's expectation his standard his requirements of us for living is perfection. So my question here is, everybody listening to this, who here is perfect? Are you perfect? Can you be perfect? This is kind of a crazy thing. Like, how can God expect that of us? It kind of seems unfair, right? Like, how can he truly expect perfection if he knows that we can't be perfect? Well, now it's time for story time. And what we find in the Old Testament is God gave a bunch of rules and regulations and expectations to the Israelite nation. And they still kind of, and what the Old Testament does is it shows who God's character is. And so in Numbers 4.15, God is giving the Israelites specific instructions on how to handle the holy things of him. 
One of those in particular being the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was the Israelites carried around this golden ark, and that's where the presence of God rested with them. And so they were able to take God everywhere they went. Now, we all know that he's omniscient. He was everywhere. It was a representation. But in God's command, this was where he rested, and therefore that ark was holy. And so in Numbers 4.15, it says this, And when Aaron and his sons had finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, after that the sons of Koath shall come to carry these, but they must not touch the holy things, lest they die. So that is a command of, of God. Hey, you're going to carry these things. You're going to carry the furnishings of the sanctuary, but they are holy things. And so therefore, if you touch them with your bare skin, you will die. So that is a command from the Lord. Well, if you go on through the Old Testament, you get to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. And this is a story, or this is an account of a man named Uzzah, U-Z-Z-A-H, Uzzah. And it says this in 2 Samuel chapter 6, 5 through 7. It says, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castronets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nekon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen had stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. Now what's interesting enough is if you notice that Uzzah was honestly trying to do a good thing, like Uzzah was just trying to help, like the oxen were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and the oxen stumbled and so therefore the Ark was going to fall to the ground and so Uzzah reached out his hand to try and grab it and hold on to it to steady it. And yet, what do we see? God killed him right then and there. Now that does not seem fair that God would treat treat him like that, right? Like he was just trying to do something good. He was, he was just trying to do something to help God out, to protect the image of God. But the truth of the matter is God had given a direct command. Do not touch the holy things lest you die. So how was killing Uzzah loving? How was the fact that God killed Uzzah for touching the ark? How is that loving? How do we call God loving in a situation like this? Well, here is why. It's because God is holy. When we talk about the holiness of God, when we talk about God's holiness, we are talking about his absolute purity. He is unstained by sin and by evil. He is absolutely pure. He is perfect. So if God, think about this for a minute, if God was not holy, then he would not be God. He would be just like one of us. And he is and always will be perfect. So in the case of Uzzah, if God had given Uzzah a pass, said, you know, hey, what, you know what, Uzzah, it's no big deal. I know you just made a mistake. I know you're just trying to help out. And he just forgave Uzzah. Then God would have allowed sin to touch him and to make him impure. See, the definition of impure is mixed with foreign matter. And the actual definition of holy means to be set apart. So God's holiness is set apart from anything else in this entire creation in this universe and so therefore by Uzzah touching that Ark of the Covenant and Uzzah being a sinful man God had to punish that by death because God cannot and will not be around or 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 susceptible to sin and to evil so in this case 
If God is impure, he is no longer God and cannot save us or gift us salvation. So if he had just told Uzzah, hey, look, it's no big deal. I'll forget about it. Then he would have become impure. And therefore, he could not have offered salvation to the rest of mankind because of his one simple act of forgiveness on the account of Uzzah. So, again, God cannot and will not be in contact with sin. So, how does God handle our sin? If, if we are simple creatures and he is a holy creature, how does he handle it? Well, in Romans 6.23, it says this, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see in 6.23 that our sin, because of our sin, because we are unholy, because we are unrighteous, and because of the acts of immorality that we have committed in our life, we deserve death. For the wages of sin is death. In Romans 3.23 it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's not a single one of us that do not deserve death. We have all sinned. We have all fall short of the glory of God. And the punishment for that sin in our life is death. And so therefore, Uzzah got exactly what he deserved. So a lot of people will say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, the truth of the matter is, life's not fair. I think you've probably told that to your kids. We've probably heard that growing up. But the truth of the matter, life is not fair. And if we wanted fairness, if we wanted fairness from God, then what we all rightly deserve according to the commands of God is death. But what we hold on to as Christians is grace and mercy. See, with grace and mercy, he reached down and gifted us salvation. And that's where we're going to get into. So if God's expectation is perfection, and he does not waver or change his mind about this, and according to God's word, we have all sinned and all deserve death, how then do we approach a holy God with our sinful lives? Well, this is where the grace and mercy comes in. So in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this. Now, I'm going to read this one verse out of the New Living Translation because it makes it abundantly clear. In the ESV, it just uses hymns and he's. Uh, the NLT makes it abundantly clear on who God is and who Christ is. So I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So think about that for a minute. We were destined to death. That's what we deserved. But through grace and mercy, God sent Christ, who had never sinned. He lived a perfect life in order to be an offering for our sin, that we could be made right with God through Christ. Now here's the truth of the matter. The only way we approach, approach God is through the perfection of Jesus Christ. See, the truth is our sin requires death and Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. That is the punishment of sins. Romans 3.23 says that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says that sin deserves death. So, we are broken, flawed, simple people, and we deserve death. And God cannot forgive sin. Sin must be paid for through death. I think that is another misconception in our evangelical world today, is we believe, oh, God just forgives us. He may forgive us individually, but the acts of our sin are paid for. And that's either paid for through our death 
or through the death of Jesus on the cross. So here's a big question. Whose death are we going to allow to pay that price? Jesus's or ours? See, John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Are you willing to surrender your life and follow Jesus knowing that he paid the price that you deserve and you can be forgiven because of his death? See, that's very important. We cannot approach God on our own because we are sinful creatures. And if we approached a holy God without the blood of Jesus covering us, it is instant death, just like Uzzah. John, 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That is the gospel right there, is that there is no good that we could do to attain salvation. There is no good that we could do to become in right standing with God. We deserve death. But because of God's grace and his mercy and because his love, even though we were enemies of him, he sent Jesus. So at the very beginning, I asked, how big is God's love? Here's the fact. His love is so big that while we were broken, flawed, sinful people, that scripture says that we were enemies of God and that all of our good works are like filthy rags before him. He sent his son Jesus to be mocked, shamed, spit on, wrongfully accused, beaten and tortured on a cross till death to pay the price for our sins so that we could approach God and have a relationship with him. That type of love is unfathomable. That type of love is uncomprehendable. That is the love of God. So my question for you today is, do you understand how far God's love went to rescue you out of what you deserve, which was death because of your sin? And today, are you willing to acknowledge that and allow Jesus's death on the cross to pay for yours? And John 3:16 says, as long as we believe in him as Savior and Lord, then, and we confess our sins, as John 1, 9 says, then he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all of our iniquity. Y'all have a great week. I hope that this sparks great conversation around your dinner tables, inside the cars. And as you go through your week, remember, stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing on.